Uh, welcome to Boost, a podcast by me, Graham Farmer. Uh, for the last 18 months, I've been giving out tips and advice via my Instagram at Graham Farmer. And since then, I've had a I've set up a Boost one-to-one coaching systems, had Boost Breakfast to IMS and BMC, and now we have this podcast, Boost. Uh, thanks, as always, for all the people that have subscribed. I know we were sat at number 11 in the in the iTunes chart. Let's try and get in that top 10. It'd be amazing if we could. Um, this podcast is basically me giving tips, motivation, and obviously a few guest interviews along the way. Yesterday, we spoke about goals and mindset, and today I've got an interview, and I welcome my friend Paul Hamill from InFlight. How are you, my friend? Very well, Graham. Uh, delighted to be here. Thank you for having us. Uh, so let's just let's just start right at the start. Let's just talk about you. Um, like, let's just little do a little origins comic book one type vibe. Where you started, where you came from, and sort of where to you, how you got to where you are now. I guess. All right. Well, how far do you want to go back? Um, I mean, I've been DJing. Started off sort of DJing when I was about 16, running clubs in the Republic of Ireland um, in my hometown. And from there, kind of moved to Belfast, uh, which had a, a really kind of vibrant scene in the, in the mid 90s. There were a lot of clubs popping up and kind of got involved with the scene in um, in Belfast because I saw there were, there were uh, really exciting things happening. You know, David Holmes and people like that running nights in the city. and. Uh, House and techno were, were really taken off in Northern Ireland at a time that was uh, really quite rough. You know, we were at the tail end of the troubles back then, so people didn't really have an awful lot to sing and dance about, quite literally. And um, house and techno was the one thing that seemed to, to, to bring people together. So I kind of got involved in the scene in, in Northern Ireland, um, largely starting out uh, doing a bit of DJing, doing a bit of music journalism back, back in the day when... Um, and print journalism in the music industry was, was still a, a thing as such and um, kind of sort of took it from there to graduated towards work, working with the BBC in the uh, when we're talking late 90s yeah just just around the, the, the time of the millennium and I got a job in the BBC doing a radio show called Across the Line Dance which was uh, essentially a show to promote Irish um, homegrown electronic artists from north and south of the border. So we would have regular guests on there um, and be promoting artists from the region, you know, people like everyone from Phil Cairn to even like David Holmes again, um, Space Dimension Controller, uh, Timmy Stewart, all, all these kind of guys. Um, and that I ran that show for about 12 years, um, which was uh, which which was a great, great time. I mean, we, we helped a lot of uh, local acts get their first exposure um, because we were, we were presenting them on the BBC, although it was a regional show at the time. It, uh, it acted as a filter for both record labels, for bookers, for that kind of thing. When they were looking for new talent, um, they knew that the Across the Line dance show was a, a reputable source of new talent. And a lot of people went on to sign records off the back of, of um, either mixes or, or, or tracks that were played on the show. And a lot of people, we helped sort of help people launch uh, launch their careers to an extent by giving that, that first kind of exposure on the BBC. Um, so it was really during my time at the BBC that um, I had really got a, a big insight into the how, how the whole uh, promo thing was working and, and, and the, the problems with the, the whole promo thing. In the BBC, I mean, at the start, when I started out in the industry, I used to get tons of uh, white label records uh, in the post from, from Royal Mail every day. And 
the whole <laughs> thing was uh, you, you know yourself you know but back in the day when you were you were living on, on, on beans and toast um these were the the things that you you lived for each day that they were coming through the letterbox from from uh record labels in london and, and, and so on and um from there, uh, you know, the idea of getting a white label in the post and, and sending back this reaction sheet, you know, we used to have a fax machine in my bedroom to, to send back these reactions. Um, and you would have you would have pluggers phoning you up weekly, almost uh, demanding to find out why you weren't playing the records. Um, I, I'd seen the whole thing shift then towards uh, sort of digital promo um, around the, do, 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 what are we talking? Yeah, the, the, the mid noughties, I think it was. Yeah, I remember, I remember that. I, we were, I was getting loads because I was working at Terminals then, and I was getting loads of records, and and then all of a sudden places like Track It Down started and Beatport started, and yeah. and uh, what was that one that Fat Boy Slim used to? Own? Oh, Tracks to Burn. I used to love Tracks to Burn. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, and you had the Ministry, the Ministry Shop as well. Yes, and it all sort of shifted then. That was a literal digital thing then. It was yeah. Yeah. So so it it all it all started to shift then, and. Um, yeah, what, what suddenly went from being a, a really exciting thing where, you know, you're getting lots of records in the post, which were tend to be, you know, they tend to be really high quality because record labels were investing lots of money in, in posting out white labels. And you can imagine the cost, you know, a couple of pounds per record to send out back in the day. Um, but suddenly they've, they've moved into a situation where they, they, they can start sending uh, these promos on, on email. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a huge big deal for them. But with that, the... Um, the upsurge in being able to send promos digitally um, correlated directly with a decrease in the quality of the, of the music that you were receiving because the floodgates were open. There were no barriers to entry. The costs had been completely removed from, from the scenario. So it became, I found it, even though I was getting more and more music being sent into my inbox, that it became harder to source new, new material because there was music coming in from uh, unsolicited sources, labels I'd never heard of. Uh, um, people had, you know, being in the BBC, your, your email address was just passed around everywhere. And coupled with that, there were a lot of other problems around uh, managing those files that, that, that I also had. You know, so for example, if I was in the BBC, you're in a, a, a network there um, that has firewalls and all this kind of thing. And getting that music off their computers onto a USB stick was such a, such a palaver, you know. And then I had my stuff that I was downloading at home and trying to merge up the two was just uh, just a technical uh, kind of nightmare really and I had a feeling that the, you know there were, there were there were tricks being missed in terms of creating efficiencies in this process that if I was experiencing this as somebody who's getting a lot of music sent every week there's bound to be you know a considerable amount of DJs and music industry professionals who are having the, the same uh, issue and around the time I was touring a lot, I was part of an act um, called Psychotron, and we were signed to lots oh, of labels. Oh, wow, I know that. Yeah, yeah, I know that. That's cool. Yeah, I think it, you did some stuff with us in the past. Um, yeah, we have. Yeah. So um, I was uh, I was touring a lot at the time. Uh, I spent about three or four years touring internationally, and I really wanted a way because I was spending so much time on planes and in airports a way of using that time to go through all my music to prepare for gigs while I'm on downtime, while I'm on the road as such. Um, but there wasn't a solution um, for that in the market. Looking at all, all the, the platforms that were out there that were delivering uh, promos, there was nothing that, that, that could do it. So I tried to create a hack by, by hacking my iTunes and, and, and linking up Dropbox and all this kind of thing. But it just, it just wasn't right. So um, that was when I, I kind of 
started formulating the idea of creating a, a mobile app. Um, nobody had done a mobile app at this stage. Um, my ideal scenario, if I was a DJ, was to have all my promos on my phone and be able yep. to listen on my phone and have that phone linked to a desktop Dropbox. So we uh, started investigating it, looking into it, and I managed to pull a team together um, of very clever individuals um, and sort of outlined my vision for uh, for developing a new product um, that hadn't been done in the market before. Uh, and the whole idea was to create an efficient way of delivering music to DJs, but not only that, create apply controls that don't currently exist and that's around opt-in uh, opt-in marketing you know asking people's permission before you send them promos which was a big big thing back then now, now we obviously we had gdpr that came in last year but where everybody's been forced to ask permission to do this stuff we were doing it five years ago because we realized that um djs if you, if you just spam djs with loads of stuff this, this stop responding, you know, and, and the, 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 you have diminish, diminishing returns the more you do, the less the less they return. So we um, started building out a, a kind of a blueprint for how the, the, the mobile app would work. And essentially what it did and what it still does is it allows record labels to push digital promos directly onto DJ's phones. The DJs can sync the music onto their phones, listen to it when they're on the road, even listen to it in offline mode. So the, the idea being, I have synced all my week's promos onto my phone. I'm sitting on the plane for, for a five hour flight. All my promos are, are there. I'm listening to them on my, my nice noise canceling headphones. Yeah. Leaving feedback um, while I'm on the plane. The, the phone saves all that feedback. And then when I get off my flight and I, I connect my phone to a network again, it sends in flight a message to say, Paul wants all these promos. When he gets to his hotel, have them on his Dropbox. And so when I get to my hotel, I open up my laptop and all the, the promos that I've left feedback on on the flight are syncing to my laptop. And all the feedback that I've left and all the ratings, the, the labels are receiving that information in, in real time um, for, for the reports and that kind of stuff that they use for. Uh, marketing and for, for, for pitching a beatport and, and so on, you know. Yes. So that's kind of that's kind of where where we were five five years ago. That was that was the initial plan that we rolled out, which was actually, I mean, our first. I think our first customer probably um, kicked off about this time this week. I think it was five years ago. Although we didn't officially. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. Good time to get you on the podcast. That's amazing. Wow. Great time. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we, we officially launched at ADE 2014. So this is our. This is going to be our fifth fifth birthday. Uh, this coming ADE. So we're uh, we're, we're going to plan plan something rather special for that at, at ADE. So um, keep keep an eye out for that. Graham. We'll make sure to to have an invite for you. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Keep an eye on listeners as well. That's yeah. Coming. Yeah. So where and so that's five years ago. So when. Where where are you at now? Obviously, with the I I from my end, I use it. I I didn't, I didn't know about the app. I use it literally on my desktop. I literally just listen to music on my desktop and download them. And I didn't realize it had all those other features. That's incredible. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff under the hood that uh, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, sometimes they just don't realize because they're used to doing they're used to their own workflow. You know, um, the Dropbox integration was was a game changer for everybody because you know having that that simplicity of not having to worry about where did I download those files, which was the problem I was having in the BBC. If I downloaded them in the BBC, how do I get them off their computer? 
to my own computer? Did I download them on my laptop or my desktop or, or where are they? So having that Dropbox where you've got uh, synchronicity across all your devices and your files all in the one place, plus you have a, a backup there if something ever goes wrong. As we have done, I've had emails from DJs panicking because they've lost their USB stick, is there anything we can do? Uh, and each DJ has a promo locker on InFlight that they can go into and re-download all of the promos that they've downloaded before with, with a single click, you know, so so things like that. Get it, we get out of jail cards that... Um, I definitely used the promo locker before, yeah. yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've lost tracks and gone, where the hell is that? But Absolutely. The, uh, the, a, lot, a lot of these things, I mean, with, with all the best kind of um, ideas that, that, that come from personal experience, I think, and um, I mean, that's my, you know, my DJing experience and touring and all that kind of stuff and, and doing the radio, all of that is fed into the, the, what, what InFlight is today, along with the thousands of conversations we've had with users and with, with, with labels and PR companies and that kind of thing, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's an ever evolving kind of, um, it's an ever evolving kind of platform that, uh, you know, we're, like I said, we're five years in and we're looking forward to the next five years and building it out further. Yeah, I mean, how does it grow? How does it grow from where it is now to where I don't know where it is in five years? Is it more labels or is it more? Well, there's more labels. I mean, um, you know, we're I think we're in over 120 countries um, at last count. Um, we've about there's about five, four to five thousand labels on, on the system. So it, it, it's building those numbers, looking at new markets. I mean, we've over the last six months or so, we, we've seen trickles of, of, of activity coming in from like places in the Far East, like Sri Lanka, South Korea, um, even Japan and China, Indonesia, places like that. So there, there's a there's a whole big market um, still out there um, to, to be tapped into. Um, from our point of view, we're, we're building some uh, exciting new tools that, that we're gonna be launching probably around the start of next year. Um, so it, it, it's really about you know, developing that platform, looking at the market, seeing where, where the industry is heading um, in terms of, you know, techno technological advances, um, advances in, in, in DJ culture and, and that kind of stuff, and looking at ways that we can tie into that and, again, create efficiencies, make it easier for people and um, just, you know, have create, create a user experience that, um, for the most part, people really enjoy and appreciate, you know, the, the work that's gone into yeah, I suppose you're going to have to adapt if, if streaming in the booth actually becomes, you know, a, an actual thing in the next five, maybe four or five years. I guess you will, that'll be one thing you'll have to maybe adapt to and make it possible to just pull the promo straight into a, a login, I guess. So yeah, we, yeah, it's, it's, it's possible. I mean, it's something that we're, we're obviously uh, looking at and, and, and monitoring. Um, I think we're still we're still a good way off, uh, you know, especially in from this side of things. I think files um, still have a have a long way to go, um, you know, before they're before they're they're eventually replaced by a streaming model. Um, yeah, I, I think that streaming thing is literally just for the home user and the yeah. people. Like, yes, it might do in the future, and yes, if you know the big DJs start demanding it, then the clubs will adapt, and therefore all the clubs will adapt, like the uh, change from vinyl, say, to CDJs and. The, I, I agree because I like I don't necessarily think that you know as a, as a touring DJ, that many touring DJs need to have every single access to every single track on the planet while they're you know out in the club um, and would they choose to have that over having a you know a stable connection and something that the, that they can rely on you know there, there there's a there's a point at which uh, you know 
having too much choice becomes becomes almost a problem. You know, most DJs are they're doing a certain amount of preparation before they go into the club, whether that's a you know working their set out from start to finish, or whether that's creating a, a pool or a playlist of tracks which to dip into. Um, you know, and Rec- Recordbox is very good at, at at helping DJs do that. But I think you know replacing it, um, re- replacing file management with uh, with streaming, I think it's still we're still a long way off. But we're we're, we're you know obviously yeah. need to see what happens there. Yeah, you see it. You see it when it's announced, and you see that, you know, people start just going, "Oh no, it's never going to work. Never going to work." Straight away, and then, you know, you know that this is exactly the same conversation was was when vinyl, when some people started announcing CDJs. Oh, and, totally, we said the same thing about MP3s. You know, exactly, and, and it's just it took four or five years, and it and it and then it happened, and again, yeah, it's the same. well, four or five years. You think about it, you know, we're probably we're talking sort of 14, 15 years now since kind of. Uh, you know, d- digital started becoming becoming a thing. You know, um, so it's, it's possibly still a, a long way off. You know, if we're looking at that time, kind of time scale, but again, things are accelerating at a lot faster rate than the the where 10, 15 years ago. Even so, who knows how far it is down the line? Um, so, on the platform, obviously, it's it's. I guess it's mostly labels that work with you. Mostly labels, yeah, but we also have a, a considerable number of, of PR companies on our service. Um, I mean, I'd say out of, out of any of the, the competitors out there, we would be the, the number one choice for PR companies, really because the system was built um, with direct feedback from PR companies that, that uh, were kind of beta testing for us at the start. Yeah. So there are a, lot, a lot of features there that suit small, independent uh, PR companies, but there are also heavy-duty features that are built to scale for larger, major labels, bigger PR companies working across multiple sites. So that there, it's, it's a very, um, it's a very adaptable system. Um, like I said, mentioning earlier, some people will use a 10% of the features. Some people are power users. They use the, the whole uh, range of features. But if you don't need to use that. The, the whole suite of tools that that's absolutely fine um but yeah it's mostly mostly prs and, and mostly uh, sorry mostly labels and, and prs i mean um and and you know we're seeing um like i said talking about the territories that are coming there's territories popping up all the time that you know you never knew that there were people <laughs> creating music and, and <laughs> setting up labels and you know which is uh, which is exciting to see um you know we've a lot of the, the big sort of big port labels you know that, that you see in the top 100 with the majority of, of those guys in um but just when you think oh god where, where are we going to get our next customers from there are labels popping up all over the time and all over the place and, and scenes that and countries that you wouldn't know um really had that much going on in them you know do you still see uh, i don't th- do you still see uh, well I know, I know myself my promo open rate is going it's definitely dropped in the last three or four years and i wondered if that was across the board or whether it's whether you see different territories that there's more people open more promo more more emails against different other places like say you know the berlin's this world where they're all getting vinyl and they're they're not you know they're, they're there's less pro less mp3 promos opened yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's not something that we've actually sat and analysed, uh, to be fair. I mean, we do um, we do monitor the, the kind of the, the open rates and, and that kind of stuff and to make sure, you know, our, our big thing is getting emails through. That's, that, that's our job. Our job is to get those emails into people's inboxes. And that means, you know, the, the less that go 
the spam, the less that 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 are, are unopened. That that's that's what that's what we do. That's what we're paid to do. How we do that is by um, having a really good sender reputation with all the mail platforms. They know that stuff that's coming from in-flight has been has been opted into. It's been signed off. So we try to minimise the amount of our clients' music going into the, the, the spam bins and all that kind of stuff. Open rates we can influence to an extent, um, but there are. It's, it's one of those things you get asked all the time. You know, is it about the timing? Is it about uh, you know the day of the week that you send it? There are so many factors. You know. Like I had, for example, one client said, said to me, um, oh, "I had this, um, I had this campaign, and uh, I had a lot of people say it ended up in their their spam bin. I wonder, can you know, can you tell me, you know, that this must be something wrong with your, your platform?" And they give me the name of the of the the promo, and um, I looked at the name of the promo, and there was something like it was I can't remember the exact words, but there were possibly the words like "sex" or "dirty" in the in the subject line, and I goes. That's your that's your issue there. You know we cannot do anything if 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 Google <laughs> and Gmail see subject line that has something that says dirty videos in, it's going to question that. You know, and we can't do that. We can't we can't influence that. Um, but what we're seeing, um, I mean, one of the, the people that's really interesting. Like really, like you naming your tracks. You're having to yeah change. Make sure you name your tracks right and not not something that's going to be picked up in a spam spam filter. That's yeah, well, I, I never thought about people are, uh, yeah 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 I mean people are very quick to, to uh, jump the gun and, and think oh it's, there's something wrong here but you know usually there's it, it's something in the in the um, in the content of the email um, and you know we, we can only we can only do so much but if you know if, if Google decides hey but um, the thing that we have been keen to do I mean we, we've seen a, a, a big shift away from uh you know we talk about open rates um when we deliver promos we deliver via email but we also deliver at the same time to the web dashboard which is our, our user web-based user interface and we also deliver to mobile in the last couple of years um the web dashboard has overtaken um email delivery as being the primary uh open source on our platform so more people are going straight to their dashboard for a user interface than they are direct to email you know I do that. I go because my my promos folder, I, I I have such basically on my email account. I have I have a filter thing. I, have, I run this app called Postbox, and I have this filter system. And it filled basically when I open, I open Postbox, it filters all my emails into different folders. One for each PR company, one for and I have one that's just promos. Anything that comes from promos at or promo at goes straight into that folder. And I think there must be like forty five thousand unread emails in there. No uh, about mine is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's that's the way I, I was working um you know years ago before we set up in flight. I had all my favorite promo companies on their own folders uh, in my Gmail account and um I would just go in there to, because I used to do like say bar sets and, and and sort of more commercial kind of sets. So any pluggers that were sending me stuff for that, they would have their own uh their own folder. Oh you've a lot more than me. I've twenty one thousand nine hundred and fifty nine <laughs> <laughs> but that's but obviously I go I so from me I I'll, I'll obviously get stuff from PR companies and yeah. I'll they'll send me direct links so I'll just go straight yeah. straight to the in-flight link from their link yeah. or I will go to the dashboard and like I I'm I'm actually DJing tomorrow for our um well actually this will be 
I'm actually I actually DJed last weekend because uh, this is on Tuesday, <laughs> and uh, just before the weekend, I I was on the system trying to find new records and actually finding records and I had to find my USBs because I haven't DJed for over a year. So I have this I have my exclusive one set a year at this festival called Nostock. And um, so I was on there just looking for dashboard, actually looking for tracks to play my DJ set. It was quite, it was a, it was a different user experience to the one that I have when I'm looking for, for for say for premieres where I'm sort of skimming through stuff and yeah, you know, really really just clicking in, clicking out, clicking in, clicking and seeing if stuff's if right, you know. Totally. I mean, um, you know, the, the web the web dashboard is something that we're we're going to see some some major changes on over the next uh, six months or so. Uh, oh, that's good. Nine months. Yeah, I know. I know you. You've been uh, very forthright in providing us with some advice <laughs> on that. So, um, yeah, we we we'll, we'll obviously be having a chat over the next couple of months to um, you know to look at ways that we we can expand on that, develop it further, and um, you know make it even more user friendly for people who work in slightly different ways than we developed it for. You know, so um, there's a, yeah, a lot of stuff. We're always uh, we're always doing stuff in the background. I mean, it's, it's one thing we've you know we full time development team um, working on on in flight and uh, although you know we might roll something out for a few months there's always stuff going on in the background and um, that, that you know people don't really know about so uh, and I, you know we get very excited in the run-up to, to new uh, new feature launches and that kind of thing so um, yeah very much looking forward to uh, get some new stuff out over the next six to nine months or so so is this is this now full-time is this, is this taking over your life a little bit and is it uh... much, yeah um i mean i, I kind of because when I set the company up, and you know, I people who were joining the company, leaving well-paid jobs, come and uh, uh, work with me. You know, my co-founder especially. Um, you know, I committed to the business 100% at that stage. I still do a bit of DJing. Um, I was doing it. Did a nice gig with uh, Carl Cox there uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, but it's 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 few and far between. I kind of parked my my kind of touring aspect of it uh, when I launched. When I launched in, like just because I, you know, I'd, I'd seen that there was, there was a tremendous opportunity here um, to do this right. And when you're bringing a, you know, a team of people on board, um, you know, I need, I need to demonstrate, you know, 100% commitment to to getting off the ground to, to ensure that we have a successful business. And uh, thankfully, yeah, we're like I said, we've reached that milestone almost of five years, and, and it's all been been going really well. So um, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, I, I I'm the same. I uh, a few a couple, about a year and a half ago, I was like, well. I'm. I need to focus more and just pull my DJing down. I was there's there's opportunities all the time, and especially now I'm coaching DJs. And it's yeah. I see if I take one of those DJ slots, that's one of them that could be playing, and and therefore they they need the experience and need to grow. And I I don't need to just be DJing just to put my name on a on a lineup, you know. So yeah, well that's it. I mean it's it's, it's kind of as well. You, you get to the age where you go, there are there are DJs out there who are hungry for the work and hungry to be. To be doing it, you know, you make way and let, let them get on and, and crack on and do their thing. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, it's it's something that uh, you know you, you never you never you never grow out of, you know. So uh, if uh, if anybody turns around to me and offers me a gig next week, of course, I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have Do you have any regrets? Um, no real regrets as such. No, I, I think prob probably not not doing what I'm doing now sooner, you know? Um, and, you know, having, having the balls to go and do it, I think was, was, was the thing. Um, I had seen, I'd seen some friends of mine go out on their own and uh, walk away from jobs and set up 
which businesses which are really now uh, very successful businesses in the music industry and I think it was watching what they did from nothing which kind of inspired me to 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 do this to to you know walk away from from uh, from all the other things I was doing and, um, and and throw everything at it you know so I suppose the only thing was would be not starting sooner um, you know I think that the music industry has changed so much since even when I was touring around what 2010 2010 to 2014 um, you know I had seen you'd seen that how everything was moving more towards a, a real numbers game as it is now it's all about your your social media traction it's all about you know DJs are more interested in in, in you know uh, getting Instagram followers and breaking new records in a lot of cases and I didn't really like that it, it wasn't what I get into the music for I've been doing it since I was 15 I was making records when when um, you know vinyl it, it, it was vinyl only and I'd put a lot into it and um, I'd always made records from you know from from a point of view of creating a piece of art or a piece of music that that was not just a uh, was not just part of a strategy to to get more gigs or to, to do this or to do that so um, the, the way it, 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 the, the, the change in the industry it kind of coincided with a change in my mindset around wanting to be a part of something or you know the thing that I had get into had changed so much that I didn't want necessarily want to be a play the role that I was playing in it if that makes sense um, and yeah I mean if I, if I go back to if I go back to making music now be for the for the again for the love of it not for uh, not for getting beat port number ones you know yeah i think i think a lot of people just they struggle with that they struggle that they have to have a beat port number one they should it's always for me it's always you should be making records that you're happy with and you're for you you know and then and if yeah, if, they, if they if they sell you know then that's well that's it i mean my my, my scary, the, i guess the thing that i think was a turning point for me was um when we had got a, a modicum of success and we were doing doing getting good gigs and that kind of thing, and we had management and we had agents and that kind of thing, there was a um, there was a sense that we had to be putting something out every month, and we had just had to have this relentless re release schedule. And I could see other DJ, other producers doing it, and I couldn't understand how they can do this, you know. And you, you know, you had a lot of a lot of producers who can churn out the same kind of tempo that remix week in, week out, week in, week out. We would spend a month on a remix, you know. <laughs> it's like there, there's no commercial sense in that whatsoever. Um, but we, you know, we, we I didn't have it in me to start churning stuff out at that at that rate. And I think towards the 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 end or the tail end of when we were producing music. It felt like the, the, the quality control that myself and Dave, my partner in Psychotron, was kind of suffering because we were under pressure to get stuff out because management wanted to get stuff out so the agent could get gigs in and, and this kind of stuff. And um, yeah, it kind of, uh, it, it all kind of changed me around there and was kind of coincided with uh, with doing the, uh, with, with in-flight kind of taking off, you know? Yes, yeah. Um, what did success look like for you? Success success can take many different forms you know I think it's just about being being happy in in what you what you're doing being happy in life um, you know it's it's not a thing that you can necessarily put a value on in, in my opinion um, some of the some of the happiest times I've had in my life are times when I've had no money <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, 
and some of the least happy times are times when you'd expect to be be happy, you know. But uh, to to me, it is it is just about having sort of internal peace and being you know being comfortable with who you are, what, what your place is in in, um, in society and uh, your career and that kind of thing. So it's uh, as I say, it's um, it's possibly a journey, not a destination. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of that's a, a lovely warming answer. I know I'm really that's a lovely man. Um, I guess I guess let's just talk some DJ tips. Um, obviously, you, you like you said. I didn't realize you'd kind of done all that radio stuff as well and, and pushing yeah. new talent. And I guess for me, it's all it's all about new talent at the moment, and it's all about trying to help that new talent get further. Um, and I guess I kind of wanted to see what your tips to them would be, maybe. Yeah, um, I suppose you know, really taking ownership of of your career as opposed to. Uh, being so quick to try and lock down an agent, lock down a manager, all this kind of stuff, which I think um, some artists to a degree, especially newer artists, think that's the only route, route to success and that these people are there to, you know, make success for them, um, which, you know, doesn't happen. Um, it's, it's, it, it all comes from the artist. Um, so I, I think taking ownership of all that stuff, even you know, go, going and setting up your own label and, and, and doing it that way, building up your network um, throughout the industry. We see it a lot with young labels who come to join in flight, and um, we, you know, I, I've, I would try and give them a lot of advice and guidance on sort of building their list. And one of the most common things we get asked for on a daily basis is, do you provide contacts? We don't provide contacts. And the reason we don't provide contacts is because it's, it's a false economy, that kind of thing. Um, if we provide a contact list to one label, then every label on the planet has it. Every DJ who's on that list will go, every, every label on the planet has my email address. I'm not go near that email inbox ever again, you know? Uh, but it, it's, 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 for us, um, it's trying to get these uh, new labels and new DJs to think about building up their own lists and, and, and doing that in-house and taking personal control about it. In-flight's not the only. Uh, we're, we're not. We're not going to, um, you know, set the world on, on fire on on our own. But as part of a, an overall marketing strategy or a promotion strategy, we will be part of that and we will be a, a big part of that if you do the work and you, you put the, the groundwork in. Um, it's There's no quick wins. You can't just, um, I mean, again, just talking about in-flight, uh, you can't just, it's not a case of just rocking up with a big mailing list and chucking loads of email addresses in and, and hoping that something comes out. You need to develop personal relationships and, you know, personal relationships will outlast any uh, any platform or, or any kind of uh, technology and I mean you know if I look at my own situation now the you know, we talk about personal relationships the labels and the PR companies um, who are some of InFlight's biggest clients now are people that were sending me music in the BBC 10 15 years ago you know oh, wow that's that's oh. really yeah that's really interesting yeah so you know and, and that's um, and that that that's that that was a huge part in getting and getting in flight off the ground it was having that uh, having that trust already established uh, made it easier for us when we went to pitch for new business having the, the industry credentials knowing that you're somebody who could be relied on uh, having that bit of integrity all this kind of stuff and it's, again it's, it, it's it's it takes a long time it's not something that's that's automatically granted you know yourself especially in the music industry there's so many sharks in the water 
Um, so a lot of people are, they, they, can, they, can, be, um, they can be hard to get to know. Um, it takes time to build relationships. But, you know, I've always been um, a firm believer in, in leaving a, a footprint, no matter whether it's a, an online footprint, a social footprint, whether you're meeting somebody face to face, all of that reflects back on you. Um, and leaving those little footprints over the throughout your career builds a network that you'll be able to tap into at some point when you need to, if you have left a positive, uh, a positive sort of footprint on, on on somebody's mind or whatever. So yeah, uh, I've I um I actually had this. I completely agree with you. Like I had something the other day where I I'd met someone four years ago for a beer. And thought it was a good beer. It was kind of weird, quite you know, good good conversation. Didn't hear anything back. And then four years later, they messaged me going, "Oh, I've been watching everything online. We're doing this project. We'd love you to be involved." And yeah. and I was like, "Wow, we met that bit. That was such a long time ago." But I obviously it obviously been that little, like you say that little footprint. Yeah. And it, and it had been enough that kind of. And you know me. yourself. You know yourself from from going to going to all, all the industry things that we always bump into each other at. You know there there are people there that, you know, you would like to be doing business with that you think you should be doing business with, and you've had conversations with, but nothing ever material. Nothing might materialize like like you said for could be years, and then it's a, it's a random bump in. Uh, you know, it, it can be so random sometimes. But you've you've made that initial uh, impression, whether it be a couple of years ago, and and then new things can be created from that, you know. Um, but I think it is uh, it is just being patient because um, things have changed so much now. I think DJs look at some of the DJs that have broken through in the last year or two, who appear to have come from nowhere. Um, and they question how people like that can become so, so popular in such a short space of time. And a really good example would be um, Rebook, uh, who's been on uh, like Hot Creations. I think he's got stuff coming out on Defected and that kind of thing. He's blown up out of nowhere in the last six, 12 months. Yeah, so I really like what he's doing. And then, yeah, well, all, came, all, you, all, from, um, all from that along came Poly Track, which, uh, which, yes, he that started the situation last year, didn't it? Well, I was playing his records 15 years ago. <laughs> 15, no, maybe maybe 10, 10 years ago on, on Radio Ulster, on, on the BBC, when he was 16. You know, <laughs> so, you know I, I'm doing interviews and mixes with him, and he has just stuck to his guns, and he's been doing, he's been doing stuff up in a, a wee remote part of Donegal called Letterkenny, and he That's has right. finally got his big break, you know, and, and I couldn't be happier seeing somebody like that who from a very young age, I mean, he was sending me stuff while he was still at school and I was playing on the radio, it was, it was bizarre. Uh, you know, th things like that. But people don't see that, they don't know that. They just see, oh, this guy's got a record on, on Hot Creations and he's, you know, immediately become successful. I That's what I need to do. Um, yes, it is, go and get a record on Hot Creations, but don't expect it to happen overnight because that guy that's just done that, he's 10, 15 years production experience ahead of you um yes it can happen but you know just just uh, be aware that it happens for very very few people yeah i was doing i was doing i was working with ben sterling i started working with him maybe three and a half years ago a young kid then he just i met i met him in i met him somewhere he lives in the same town as me milton Keynes, and right. just started making music and his music was good and his djing was good and and uh we just i believed in what he was doing and we kind of i just literally took him to gigs and took him to trip you know into backstages and introduced him and just 
we got him on some shows and slowly, slowly, slowly. And then all of a sudden, um, he just had a load of music and we were sending it to Jamie and Jamie sort of went, yes. And then that all, like last year, obviously all kicked off. And now, couldn't be happier. He's playing DC 10. Um, as this airs today on Tuesday, it'll be, he's playing DC 10 tomorrow for the first time. And it's over the moon for him, you know, can't, can't, can't give it to him enough that he's just sat and made great music and, and pursued it really relentlessly for a good three and a half years, I'd say, you know? Yeah, I, 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 lo I love to hear stories like that. I mean, I think it's a, the thing that, again, you would, if you were going to say something to a DJ, is get out of your studio, get away from the computer, go out and meet people, you know, have some face time with them, sort of press the flesh, get out, go to gigs, hassle, not hassle, but, you know, make yourself known to people, get your tracks into the right hands uh, with a personal connection. Um, find the green room. There's always a green room. Absolutely, yeah. Or find somebody that knows how to get you it's, into the green room. <laughs> that's it. There, there's always there's always a green room, and there's always and there's and and you just need to find it. And it is, yeah, finding yeah. the right person that gets you there is. I essentially built built. I essentially built data transmission that way. I I, I, I got into green rooms where I wasn't supposed to be, and yeah. and just met lots of people, and and then grew the site like that. You know, amazing. Uh, well, that's, that's probably that. That's 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 been lovely talking to you, and thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Um, and I'm sure I'll see you. I'll see you at ADE, and I'm maybe at IMS College later in the year. You might do. Yeah, we'll definitely be at ADE and possibly Malta as well. Yeah. Um, thanks very much for having us. Uh, it's been lo lovely chatting to you, and uh, yeah, going uh, on a trip down memory lane. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you again, Graham. Thanks again, man. See you soon. Thanks, Take care. Bye. Bye.